do the little countdown like it's iCarly? Three, four, five. You you ain't never seen iCarly, okay. Nah, <laughs> Where'd you come in from today? Um, I was getting my car in St. Paul behind the Turf Club, because I was at the Turf Club last night. Have a good time? Yes. Who'd you yeah. see perform? Uh, it was the local band Beamer, their release show, and then Kate, I feel like I asked several people, and I, I got a definitive answer on the pronunciation, but I've already forgot it, but Mal- Malinafi? Okay. Malanfi? Malinafi, I think. Lucid Vanguard and uh, mini golf familiar with mini golf that's like a newer band i feel like they're kind of like a super group i think like pretty much every member plays in like a pretty queer diy band uh mariah from gully boys is like the lead front person of that new band i I miss mariah we were neighbors oh i forgot that's like actually how i got connected with you because she like reposted that thing yeah that's fine i actually almost lived with Mariah and Sierra. They did a showing at my apartment. It was like right before the pandemic too. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And then I've just like known her just through musicians and the scene and stuff like that. Both of them are so lovely too and together they're, they're just really like nice. a power couple. Yeah, right? And seriously. And they're younger than me but I'm just like, oh, I wish you were my mom's. I su- yeah. How Great old, parent. How old are they? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. I just know that I'm, I don't know. How I'm old getting are you? up there. I'm going to be 30 next month. Okay, I'll be 32 next month, so yeah, I be- I'm guessing they're probably like 25, 26, something like that. Yeah. All right, we're back. Episode 5, and I have today the creator of my theme song, Smelk and Ernesto. Welcome. Hello, I, I made it. This is our first time meeting in person. It is. After um, I asked you to help me make a theme song that I did not use for over a year. Was it really that long? Yes. Embarrassing. Yeah, I feel that hard. Like, I feel like that's like a lot of like my old creative process and stuff too. Sometimes it'll be like, oh yeah, I've been working on this thing for like, oh no. I'm going to come back to it. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's not a now project. It's a later project for sure. Yeah. They're all works in progress. We have (laughs) Smelk and Ernesto here today to promote two singles that came out recently. What are they called? The first one I released at the beginning of the month was called um, Long As I've Got You. And then the most recent one that came out, shit, only like two or three days ago, Dating Miss, came out on Thursday the 29th. Uh, It's called Mi Tierra. That's the new stuff. I was on hiatus for, I feel like, a lot of artists and creative people. it was very hard to be that kind of person from like 2020 to <laughs> 2022-ish. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But you're getting back into it? like I am. Yep. I'm full, full steam ahead, back up and running again, back from the dead. Feels good. What sparked your inspiration to make your big comeback? Uh, honestly, it was just like, oh, like I'm starting to feel creative again. <laughs> so like I should probably start doing that thing that uh, actually makes me pretty happy and uh, that I'm not so terrible at either. Yeah, I mean, I've been wanting to, ever since my like last big release was like in 2019, mm-hmm. and then I had like decent, you know, I had like, uh, I did, you know, all like the radios, did it in studio stuff, some interviews, um, you know, we were playing a lot of gigs, but uh, I was really ready to like kind of step, I don't know, I feel like this project has been a lot of, (laughs) 
I'll, I'll put together like an album or whatever and then like oh like by the time I'm like done with it I feel like now I've like changed into look kind of like a new chapter of like sound or whatever too so like after that release I was just like yeah this actually isn't really what I kind of want to sound like anymore sure. <laughs> I probably would have just steamed straight ahead if not for the pandemic because yeah that was like when that happened was like right as I was getting ready to enter writing mode and then that happened and then it was like no <laughs> I can't do it <laughs> do you start with lyrics or sound first um for me it's like it's always sound yeah I hate I don't like writing lyrics <laughs> I don't think I'm like the greatest at it I don't know it's just also like it's not as important to me I don't because I just feel like the the music I want to make these days is just like I just want something that people can have like fun to that's like on in the background of like a party or something you know i want to make music that you can you know you're at the fucking barbecue and you can listen to all day or smoke weed too or fuck too or (laughs) do your errands too even um but yeah i'm not i'm not heavy i'm not out here trying to be some sort of poet or anything like that it's that's absolutely like the last thing i do So for your listeners, you want them to feel joy? Like Yes, I think okay. that's really it at the end of the day is like, I just want to make music that just, that's just fun, makes people joyful. Especially yeah. like, we're still kind of in a pandemic, but it's very loosey-goosey yeah. for most people. <laughs> right. And we need something to fucking smile about. We were so sad yeah. for years. All right. So I asked my guests each time the question, my podcast is biracial, bisexual, bipolar. Is there mm. anything that you resonate with yes all of them to a certain degree some more than others um biracial i am not i did Mm -hmm. i did miss those charges uh no white people (laughs) (laughs) were um, a part of me being made um when they dropped me um although i do have i feel like i have such kindred spiritship with biracial people being a transracial adopt because I found I have so much in common with like all my biracial friends. It's crazy um, in that regard. Bisexual, that's that's what I am. So yeah, that obviously that one then. Uh, bipolar, I do not have bipolar, but uh, I know more than a few people who do. And I've also had my own, my lovely relationship with uh, mental health and mental illness, a lot of anxiety, depression, been on the uh been on the lexapro game now i think how many years probably like eight or something oh shit there's like a period where i was trying to figure it out too because you know sometimes they just some of them don't work for certain people yeah i i that was one of them and i was just like i couldn't come in it yeah that was terrible that's like yeah for like men that's my passion project right (laughs) or like yeah for like having a penis like yeah you can definitely get a lot of issues with that i thank god i got the one i can still i can still get it up (laughs) but now i just like last a lot longer too so if anything i know right (laughs) so that really worked out yeah i know thanks Uh, lexapro yeah thanks lex yeah, no, that can. I remember, I don't remember which one. It was like an older one. It might have been like an older school, like MAOI one. Like that one just made me feel like a fucking zombie, though. Like I know, like it just felt like I feel nothing and like I'm fine with it. Yeah. But I'm not. Like <laughs> sometimes you have to pick do I want to feel nothing or do I yeah. want to feel everything just feel like shit? Like what degree of shit do I want to feel? 
For me, it was mainly, though, like, I was definitely, I was, like, panic disorder adjacent. There was definitely, like, a few years back in, like, my early 20s. It got really bad. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there was, like, a few times where it's, like, I could, like, hardly even, like, go out to, like, eat somewhere. (laughs) I would get, like, so nervous and I was having tons of panic attacks. I never had those ever, like, in my entire life. So my, yeah, my medication was more about just, like, getting that under control, therapy and stuff has helped too obviously but um yeah it's uh you know i don't really get them very often anymore that's good you know if something like really bad or weird or traumatic happened yeah maybe but like it's pretty it's pretty unlocked now did you have days. a system to um help manage panic attacks i don't think you yeah really can cure it like while it's happening but you right can help sort of help um either it uh i feel like being i try try to be active um that helps a little bit but i feel like for me the most helpful tools were definitely like out of therapy you know like the like grounding things like uh see feel touch or whatever you know like kind of ground yourself in that moment there um what is another oh i remember what my therapist told me one time she's like sometimes it's helpful like to you know remind yourself like you're not gonna die but or I think she said, like, maybe it might be helpful for you to, like, think of yourself, like, as a child. So, like, sometimes I would, like, do that, like, in my head. Like, I would just, you know, it's like, hey, like, <laughs> Eric, you're you're fine. You're fine. Like, you know, it's like, you're not going to die. You've been through this before. And I don't know, just some, it was something to that degree. But I feel like I used to, yeah, it was just, like, a lot of, like, calm my mind, get get present in the moment. And it sometimes would help, but. The big guy over there helps me with my panic attacks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, sometimes I'll be like, Cisco, I need you to just breathe with me. And we be, yes. we be breathing. Yeah, a lot of breathing stuff, too. Um, yeah, it was nice. I did, like, uh, I did voice lessons in college. And I still use all those, you know, like, breathing exercises and stretches still to this day. It helps. And then Burger King did fight back because they got the rights to Pokemon. Ooh, I remember the the, the golden yep, part. Yeah, yep. and then like cool. the I, they had like the balls and stuff too. You could get. I was not allowed to play with Pokemon, oh, Pokemans as my family called it because that was of the devil. Because oh, evolution nice. is real. Really. <laughs> and um, as the mythology of my family goes. Uh, we think my dad doesn't think dinosaurs were real. I was going to ask, yeah, are they like young earthers or? They, it's not in the Bible, so it didn't happen. All right. It's cool. great. Hey, that's great, buddy. <laughs> Good Just for like, you. What, where do you think? I don't know. Oil? It's fine. It's fine. The devil's tricks. <laughs> All right. Speaking of parents, mm. we have something in common. We're both adopted. Hey. I'm adopted by two nice midwestern white folks what about oh yeah that makes yeah that makes sense now that they're super religious then too you got the real (laughs) you were saved (laughs) i should be grateful every day (laughs) yes right um yeah i would say mine are definitely not super duper religious like that um grew up going to church like you know i had to get confirmed um lutheran like so many midwesterns uh, but yeah, just some real, uh, some real nice, just humdrum, 
Minnesotan white folks, uh, Tom and Cindy. <laughs> uh, adopting you, did yeah. they also embrace your background? Or? Fuck no, no. <laughs> Not at all. Was it acknowledged at all, or is it just like... Yeah, uh, sort of. They definitely, I would say, like, their biggest approach to it and just that stuff in general was colorblindness. Like, so many white folks were taught. Uh, but, um, yeah, because, I mean, I grew up in a small town, like, 13,000 people. Yeah, definitely, like, the only, typically, one of the very few, if only, person of color in a lot of spaces and stuff that's there. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, that's, I got, you know, I will say, like, my parents are super supportive and loving. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I feel, you know, you know, I don't really, I don't mind saying it to their faces either, but like, I do feel strongly that I think they really did the bare minimum, <laughs> not entirely their fault because I think the, the education and the culture around adoption, especially like transracial adoption is just not adequate. You know, it, these white people had no idea what they're getting themselves into with like, yeah. You know, even with the best intentions, you know, kind of like I said, like that colorblind thing, obviously, I think people like you and I know, you know, how really dangerous that can be um, on one hand, because the world is not colorblind, like, uh, you know, in a perfect world, yeah, great, but that's just not the reality. So Um, you probably didn't get the conversation with your parents, like, you have to approach the police differently than, like, your white peers? No, no, they never said that. (laughs) Me either. And, um... Sometimes I'm sassy, and I didn't realize, oh, I should not do that until I moved down here. My black friends were just like, get your shit together. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, we absolutely had no conversations like that. Um, it's funny, I was talking to my adoptive sister, I feel like, a few months ago, and I think it kind of both dawned on us, too. Like, you understand that, like, we're probably, like, mom and dad's only people of color friends that they've ever had. like in their entire life like damn like it's like things like that you don't really think it's like fuck that really puts it in perspective like the stories that my mom tells about like my brother like the first time mm. that he saw a black man she was just like he thought he had burns like he got set on fire from the sun or something i'm just like that's not a cute story. Yeah, mom. it's like not the. Don't tell that to anyone ever again. Let's maybe uh, keep that in the house here. Oh God. Jesus. Yeah, but yeah, um, but not a ton of acknowledgement. I mean, my parents are like very like Norwegian Minnesotans, and like you know they don't you don't talk about big important things. Things are things you bottle them up. <laughs> you yeah. put them under the rug uh and then you just hope that you know it turns out okay or whatever <laughs> um yeah so not not a lot of not a lot of big conversations or anything like that um never really gave me a ton of great you know real world well i guess what i mean by that you know like i like you were kind of saying earlier yeah they did not prepare me for a racialized world <laughs> at all they certainly think... had no idea how to talk or approach that and even if they did they probably wouldn't have <laughs> yeah do you think that going through an adoption process if you the child you're adopting is like non-white there should be courses to educate them on the child's background 
So I've been in reunion with my maternal biological family now for almost six years. Um, kind Is that of hard for you to like, hard. I don't know, to like talk to them? Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, no. Yes and no. I don't know. Um, I'm not fluent in Spanish yet, but it's it's pretty, it's not bad. Um, but obviously it's like we just, you know, we're just on like WhatsApp and stuff. So, okay. you know, obviously translation applications and stuff help tremendously. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely it has been a barrier at times. I think, I feel like it's more of a barrier to get to know some of the more extended family, you know, just to like keep a conversation going or it's like I remember like when I first got in reunion there were so many family members like reaching out to me yeah it was like really hard to keep up with that and especially when I was like still utilizing a lot more translation and stuff like that too mm -hmm. it's it's just a lot of energy <laughs> to do all that and plus you know uh we're Latino there's a fucking ton of us too <laughs> it was like yeah. literally too many conversations to keep up with um what was I saying right before this, though? I can't remember now. We were talking about, um, like, courses to teach oh, the backgrounds. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so, been a reunion that long, and I feel like the, the lead-up to finding them, I definitely, I feel like, started to become a lot more radicalized in terms of, like, my thoughts on adoption and stuff. Now, like, being in post-reunion, also knowing, like, I was straight-up Dolan. <laughs> like, oh, <no>. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. And that happens way more often than you would think. So that definitely radicalized me a lot more. So I'm definitely like a full-on abolitionist when it comes to, I would say, like any kind of adoption. I don't think transracial adoption should ever be done. Um, yeah, I think that should be completely outlawed. Uh, you know, it's just kind of fucked up. It's like the entitlement of it all and it's like mainly you know it's like mainly like cis straight white people you know feeling so entitled to to buy children and especially and it's like you'll they'll do it internationally because it's typically cheaper it's typically easier um and you know that's a whole look in and of itself but i think it's just fucked up that we live in a world where it's like why can't we just like be giving this money to the actual <laughs> mother? It's like in a perfect yeah. world, we shouldn't really have a need for adoption at all. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm definitely more for like, you know, keep, keep families together. Like it'd be cool if, you know, we had good social programs that uh, a lot of these mothers didn't even have to consider that an option. Cause that's mm -hmm. really all it is for like so much of it. It's like they can't afford it and like for that's sure. just it just seems so backwards to me um i'm really sad because you know again like in my case like it was it looks fully legal on the books but like it was my mother was totally misled like she wanted to keep me and they just like straight up lied to her and there's so much it's really bad so yeah no i'm like full-on adoption abolitionist that's fair yeah I think back to my childhood and like the stories my mom will tell and she'll be like, oh, you just came to us with like a paper bag. We didn't know how to do your hair, but you know what? Oh, your no. gay brother figured it out, <laughs> figured but kind of, he just put like a shit ton of conditioner in my hair to like gel it back. Sure. And oh, it's just like, why didn't you reach out to someone to figure out how to do my hair? I am almost 30 and I don't know how to really take care well, of they would have hair. to talk to a black. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there had to be like two that they knew, maybe. 
from church. Maybe. Wait, where did you grow up again? Uh, born in Indiana. We moved up here when I was 13. Like in the city? Uh, no, northern Minnesota. Like oh, okay. north of Duluth. Whoa, So really? way up there. Damn. There's like no black people up there. <laughs> uh, there were three, I think. Two were like biological children. Another one was like an adoptee. Of course. And yeah. <laughs> now that I'm older, I'm just like, why don't we talk to each other? And we're just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, right. We're, we're, we're both, you know, we're all four black friends. Yeah, right. And making the best of it. <laughs> was your town like teeny tiny? Because I mean, like past Duluth, there's not a lot of like uh, big bastions of civilization. My graduating class was 32 kids. Nice. Yeah. How big was your class? Um, I think like, you know, cause we're like, we're not, the, you know, we're not that small, but we're not like a big town either. I think my graduating class was like, I can't remember if it was like close to 200 okay, or close to three. I think it was actually close to 200 when I think about it. I think that sounds right. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. What um town are you from? Fergus Falls. Where the fuck is that? West Central Minnesota. It is... If you went straight west from Fergus, you're gonna reach the North Dakota border in probably like 40 minutes. Uh, we're right off I-94. We're like 55 minutes south of Fargo. Oh, okay. And like 45 minutes north of Alexandria, off the interstate. I feel like everyone fucking knows Alexandria. I don't know yeah. why. I think I know it from true crime. <laughs> Really? <laughs> I think that was another, like, bringing it back to adoption. I think that's where, like, oh, no. queer couple um, adopted some kids and then killed themselves all in the car. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. I think I know what you're talking about, actually. Adoption. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, <laughs> Do you ever get therapy growing up? No, of course not. You're no. Religious. <laughs> um, and it would be embarrassing if I suggested it. Yeah. I feel like, you know, like, in my world, like, you know, if, like, non-transracial domestic adoption were, I, I still feel strongly, like, it's insane to me that, like, any adoption can be allowed without, like, having some sort of promise, I feel like, from the parents, like, having access to, like, therapy and, uh, yeah, but, again, it's, like, it's truly bananas, like, that yeah, people can adopt and, like, you're not putting those children into fit. Like, even if it was, like, you know, it's, like, a good, happy story. It's, like, they're still, they're gonna be a little fucked up. I like, think my parents approached it, like, there should be gratitude and not trauma. Ugh, and they didn't really, we didn't talk about, like, my adoption until I was, like, 13. Mm. And I remember, like, my mom, we went to, like, the train tracks by my grandma's house and she was just like, oh, you've never brought this up. And I was just like, I didn't know I was allowed to. Yeah, right. And then um, a few years ago, I like reconnected with like an aunt and my biological grandmother. And she's just like, nice. was weirdly jealous. Mm. And I, I wanted to tell her there's nothing to be jealous about. I'm just curious. Yeah. And I also want to know, like, do I have to worry about like certain types of cancers or Thing. That's also the most fucked up thing about dumb is like it's not centered around the baby at all. Like it's so insane to me. Like we can just be walking around out here with no medical history, right? Like what? 
people don't understand how much of like a privilege that is to just have your medical history like there's so many of us we don't we just don't and i don't know yeah it's it's fucking wild when you like do healthcare stuff do you when they ask you like do you have history of this you just have to say oh i'm adopted and i'm still trying to figure it out Hmm. for myself that's like in the past, I would usually just say that, and that would usually kind of end the conversation. Um, but now, I mean, I actually, you know, now I've been in reunion, I do know at least my maternal side um, looks pretty good, and outcome looks pretty good, and they're pretty, they're, they're not terribly unhealthy. Um, I'll probably get, uh, on my abuelito, he did just die a few years ago. I feel like it was the total, like, masculine urge to, like, not go to the doctor until you're dying situation because <laughs> like he finally went and they're like oh shit you have like stage four uh, colon cancer and then Fuck. they like start doing more work and they're like oh shit you have more of it in your lungs and like your spleen or something and then he was like dead like a week later <laughs> it was very quick but you're taking care of yourself <laughs> no not at all jesus christ i smoke like a fucking chimney it's terrible um and i still drink a lot uh that's 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 a thing that was uh definitely led into like my dirtbag day today <laughs> like getting my car in the afternoon <laughs> was like my first activity i think the healthiest thing is not drinking and driving so yes yes that's <laughs> actually that's the real takeaway from that uh Yeah, we got hit with, like, the fucking three-piece combo, like, KO this week with all the Supreme Court shit. I don't even, like, they're gonna probably try something else with student loans, but I don't, like, I just don't even care. Honestly, at this point, it's like, I just won't pay it, I think. Like, we should all just not pay it. Like, what are they going to do? Take what away are they my degree yeah, that exactly. I don't use? Yeah, exactly. Like, I absolutely didn't need mine for my 9 to 5 job that I have now. Like, no, it's... You can't just say, like... You can't just stop payments for, like, three or four years and expect, like, no. Uh-uh. You open the box, like... <laughs> I'm, like, trying to pay back mine because, like, I did private loans because... That was Ooh, a great idea. Bummer. Worst mistake I've ever made, and yeah. my parents co-signed it, so it would be different if, oh. you know, well, Wells Fargo was just calling me, but they're like, my mom's just like, they're gonna, like, kneecap us, and I'm just like, fuck. Um, I I will figure out how to pay, like, 10, or, not 10k, I wish it was 10k, 100k back. Oh my goodness. I took my time with school and did not go to any good schools. I mean, <laughs> I love I love Metro State, but yeah. <laughs> people are just like, where? Yeah. I'm just like, it's a thing by the highway that you see. Yeah. yeah. It's a state school. It's good. <laughs> Learned so much there. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah, thank God I didn't have a fucking private loan. Jesus Christ. I, I feel for you. That sucks. Yeah. And as soon as, like, my parents stopped, um, like, putting me on their taxes, mm-hmm. I got all, like, the, um, like, scholarships and grants because mm-hmm. they were just like, oh, you're brown? Mm-hmm. Are you, are, are you not financially great? Yeah, right. Are you going to be a teacher? Sis, say less, say yeah. less. Yeah. <laughs> and now here I am. Um, you are. 
not making a podcast because maybe one day <laughs> this will keep the lights on, pay the bills, pay back tuition. Hopefully, Hopefully not, though. What did Hopefully you go to that, school for? Uh, I went to school for audio engineering. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. I could probably give you some pointers after we're, we're off mic here, too. I, I need them all. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, super, super useful degree. Do you think you definitely had to go to school to get that? Or on your own or in a classroom <laughs> setting? I mean, it definitely was helpful. Um, I actually, because they like, technically I added like a, like an emphasis in like film sound. So okay. I worked on like more than a few like short film projects. Uh, Cisco like, uh, and I met at MCTC back in the day. Nice. Yeah, that was like my, my way into that. Um, Cause yeah, I would say like next to music, I'm very, I love, I love movies, I love films. That's another big passion of mine. But, um, I think it just came down to like a timing. Like I just kind of like came to the city here, just like not really knowing <laughs> exactly what I wanted to do. I was like, yeah. I'll figure it out later. And then, um, that program was there and I'm like, oh, this actually sounds pretty good. And like, yeah, fuck it. I'll, I'll do that. And so I did that. What's your favorite part of like creating something? Mm, I think my favorite is for me with like songwriting. Um, it, it always, it always like sometimes I feel like I'll like a full song will just like be in my head. And my favorite thing is like when I can immediately get into my studio and lay it down at, you know, like at least like 80% of like what I heard in my head. Like when you can just kind of capture that like lightning in a bottle moment, that's like the most because there are a lot of times too where I'll, I'll like oh like shit like this is good this is good like get into the studio quick mm -hmm. and then it just doesn't translate like oh like ah fuck like that's not that was not it like fuck it like destroy it we'll is try it again kind of yeah. like um <laughs> when you have an interesting dream and then you try to tell someone about it but it just yeah doesn't translate outside of your brain right or it's like you start like misremembering and stuff. Yeah. Or yeah. But like in this instance, yeah, it would be like if you had a crazy dream and you were able to like perfectly like draw what you saw or something, you know, that's kind of like what it feels like. Yeah. When I have like an idea and then when I can actually like nail it or get at least pretty damn close, like to getting from out of my head into, um, a real product. That's, that's the best feeling in the world. I would say. Do you work on music at night or during the day or just whenever just whenever honestly um i feel like like repetition and like i have to really like get after myself about that kind of stuff a bit more like just going through you know the process the act like i'm trying a lot more to like to output a lot more because you know it's not all going to be good mm -hmm. but like out of those 50 there's going to probably be one or two that's like pretty damn good so i try my best to to get a little music time in as often as i can but it's much more spontaneous yeah I'm... how old were you when you first started creating music um prom pretty young i uh actually the first instrument i learned to play was trumpet when i was like nine or ten um did choir all throughout like middle school uh, high school did some audition choirs and stuff um but then i picked up guitar is like my main instrument i picked that up when i was probably like 12 
then maybe like two years after that, I started a little band with uh, some friends. And so, yeah, I would say like probably 14 then was probably like my first foray into starting to write music. The rest is history from there. All right, Smelkin Ernesto, thank you so much for being on this episode. I really appreciate it. Thank you for my... I've gotten so many compliments on my theme song. Oh, hey! Thank you, everyone. Folks are jealous that they don't have one as great as mine. Yeah. All right, we got to hype you up before you leave. Okay. Yeah, the two songs that just came out for the summer, Summer Bops, I'll call them. Sure. Are kids still saying bops? They're still saying that. Bangers. I think that's still said. Hits. Yeah, that's classic. Urban Dictionary over here. Okay. And then you also have a show at the Cedar Cultural Center on, on July 29th. Ju- yes, on Saturday. And we are opening for uh, a Colombiano band called Los Rolling Ruanas. Um, so please go to my um, everything online is at Smellkin Ernesto. That's like the word smell and the word kin together. And then Ernesto. Um yeah, go hit up my link tree, buy the tickets. I, uh, I'm i curious to see what the turnout is going to be like for that band. Um, they're really good, but, uh, you know, I, I'm curious to see if they have a, a decent fan. I would hope they do if they chose Minneapolis as one of their few stops. Yeah. So please come out and uh, make sure they, they get some money and uh, have a good time in America. I think it might be their first American tour. Oh, shit. Okay. Maybe. Something like that. I don't know. And Minneapolis was on their list. It was on the list. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.